Welcome to the God and Cancel Culture podcast. I'm Stephen Strang. Today, we're going to deal with a very serious subject, and that is the number of fires of Roman Catholic churches. It's really a hate crime, and unfortunately, it's being largely ignored or overlooked or rationalized by the larger culture and the media in particular. I'm going to talk to Father Leo Padalinghug of Baltimore, Maryland. I was actually a guest with him on Newsmax last week, and we talked about this, and it made me realize that I wanted to do a podcast. So stay tuned for my conversation with Father Leo. Welcome to the Strang Report with Steve Strang on the Charisma Podcast Network. This episode was produced to discuss and address issues within our nation and around the world from a Christian worldview. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome to you, Father Leo. I enjoyed meeting you on uh, Newsmax. I thought you were so articulate, and you talked about this. You know, it's just amazing that the press has largely ignored this. But, uh, you know, people talk about hate crimes, and, you know, maybe we can get into this, but, I mean, sometimes uh, they make saying somebody's pronoun incorrectly as hate speech. But you talk about hate crimes. I mean, burning a church— defacing churches or or knocking over statues or all this kind of thing. Why do you think it's happening, and why do you think that many people are ignoring it? Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, first of all, why do I think it's happening? It's because evil is very real. Evil has always hated the truth and always hated the light. But I think evil is growing more for a few reasons. One, because it is in collusion with social media, with tech giants, and with companies, including uh, communication places like, um, you know, obviously Twitter, Internet, um, you know, all of the social media stuff, but, but also in politics, because politics seems to be the morality center for at least Americans. And if it's okay with certain government officials, then it must be okay. Abortion is probably the most offensive at all. However, to the other point, the reason why it is happening is, is in part because Christians in general have a responsibility to carry their cross. We will always be persecuted. This is, in a sense, nothing new than what Christians have experienced since Jesus rose from the dead and people doubted them. And so they've always persecuted Christians, uh, and it's unfortunate, but it's being supported by culture, which is completely misinformed by, obviously, fake news, but also misinformed by the deceptions of the evil one. So, I mean, I'm not going to get all spiritual here, but evil is real, and we know it because we heard just a few uh, years ago how they thought certain politicians were evil. They would say, that is an evil man. So if they can use it, we can use it. And the fact is, there is objective truth to evil. Absolutely. I agree with you. 100%, and there's always been an attempt to cancel Christianity going all the way back to the Roman Empire, which tried to stamp it out in the first century. And of course, Christianity is still here, and the Roman Empire is long gone, so it won't be effective. And of course, we know that God has plans and purposes even leading up to the end of time. I mean, it's almost spooky to think that we may be approaching those days, but I mean, things are happening at almost warp speed. There's always been evil. I mean, even 
you know, obviously communism and Hitler and there's evil going on now. But in America, with our constitutional rights, our freedom of religion, I never thought that we would be facing this. But during the pandemic, churches were called non-essential. I mean, what's this all about? When there's a crisis, if ever people need to turn to the church and be a part of a community of believers, it's at a time like that when people are sick and sometimes dying and depressed and not able to go out. Why do you think the government was so quick in some places, California and New York probably being the best two examples, to call the church non-essential? Well, because the church stands as a threat to their authority. And so if, for example, a shepherd is weak, then there will be another shepherd that wants to take his place. And this is what has happened. Unfortunately, the church's leadership needs to speak up and show its leadership uh, skills and, and influence. But they also know that the government is very powerful, too. At one point, the government and the churches, they, they used to collaborate. There was definitely a separation of church and state, but it was never seen as a divorce. They always worked together for the good of the citizens. However, however, in just recent times especially, there's been a growing opposition to churches in general, and so somebody's got to lead them. And so basically, government leaders have kind of, in a sense, played um, priest, bishop, and to some degree, some of them act like God. So I think when you have two great institutions like the government, like the church, they have to learn how to cooperate with each other and have a positive influence on each other. However, with a growing anti-Christianity and a growing secularism, and let's just also admit a growing satanic cult and just a growing anti-establishment mentality, they're going to go to somebody else to lead them, and that is unfortunately the presidency. And so unfortunately, we've seen it at least in the past decade where some certain politicians think that they are either gods or at least demigods. And so they will always, always be contrarian to the Catholic Church. Well, not only the Catholic Church, but... Christian churches, exactly. Christian Christianity in general. And, you know, the mandates that called the churches or houses of worship not essential applied to Mormons, it applied to Muslims and Jewish synagogues, of course. I mean, you know, we have freedom of religion in this country, which is also freedom to not be religious. And we've always had this tension going all the way back to the early days. There's always been people who blasphemed God or chose not to go to church or even made fun of people that went to church and that type of thing. We've had this in our culture, but never the hostility. And, you know, people can hate God and blaspheme and everything else, but that doesn't mean that it's acceptable to burn churches. I mean, that's that's vandalism. And from what I read in the press, and of course, you never know exactly what to believe, there was not even that much concern on the part of the authorities to prosecute and to, you know, to bring to justice the people who did this. Why do you think it's happening now more than it did, say, a year or so ago? Yeah, I think the Catholic Church did its own study, and since May 2020, there have been at least 95 incidences occurring in at least 29 states 
not only including just the arson, which is devastating. I mean, and we always we all know about Notre Dame. We don't know what the cause of that was, but we know some people celebrated it. And then statues being beheaded, you know, gravestones being defaced, swastikas and anti-Catholic language just just littering our Catholic churches, Christian churches, and, and as, as well. Um, why are government officials silent on it? Because some of them are honestly happy about it. And they, again, w- the, the Catholic Church will stand as an opposition to a lot of things that the government uses our tax money for, including abortion. You, we speak out against social injustices that are occurring, whether they be at the, at the border or you know, human trafficking, and, and also criticizing um, the lifestyles of politicians who, again, they, they, they're using their monies as public servants, but they look like they are there to be served rather than actually to serve. And so whenever you hear almost a voice like prophet and a John the Baptist in our modern day age, you're going to get a Herod that's going to not want that voice out there. And we know what happened to him. He was beheaded. And if you want to try to destroy something, you you kind of destroy its members. You divide them and you, 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 you diminish them. And if there are government officials who kind of turn a blind eye, then it's almost as if it never really happened because they didn't see it and they won't comment on it. So unfortunately, people of faith always had an uphill battle with a heavy weight on their shoulders, namely the cross of Christ. And we've just got to continue to persevere. It's hard to do, but you got to love your enemies, you know, pray for those who persecute you, turn the other cheek and still serve them, even if they want to, how shall I say, do a disservice to you. Well, of course, and this is one of the paradoxes of Christianity. And, you know, there's examples, of course, where there's been a terrible murder and, you know, the victims or the victims' families have actually forgiven the perpetrator. The one that comes to mind, of course, is the Pope that was almost assassinated and he he forgave his assassin. But, you know, there's many other stories too. But that doesn't mean that uh, there's not justice done you know, forgiveness is something you do in your heart. You know, justice with our laws and so forth, you know, people have to be called to account. And this has happened to Catholic churches, but all Christians should speak up. And if there's enough of a hubbub and a backlash, so to speak, you know, that does have some kind of effect. But as you said, if everyone ignores it, it's almost as if it didn't happen, no big deal. But we can't let this become the norm is going to become more and more and more. And so how can people speak up? And, you know, most of my listeners would not be Catholic, but they would be con- concerned Christians. So what can individuals do? What can we do as a, as a community of believers to back people like you who are trying to call attention to this? Yeah, the real challenge is that unless it is affecting you personally, it's very difficult for people to get engaged uh, because they just don't feel offended enough. And, you know, unfortunately, in today's world, everything is offensive. But the thing that is most offensive is obviously the denial of rights and the, and the lack of justice in our justice system. And yet we can't say anything about it for fear of being canceled. And unfortunately, there's a lot of very, you know, well-intentioned people 
who are literally afraid to be canceled. So they just kind of keep humble and they keep quiet and they just simply ask God to help them through it all, which is obviously a good place to start. But God is going to invite us all to actually develop our voice and take our faith to the streets in the same way that if there is a need to revolt against something, whether it be slavery or in the case of the March for Life, we take the streets of Washington, D.C. in humongous numbers, yet the media doesn't talk about that at all. Yet we are all there and people are paying attention and does make some changes. So we should never retaliate with violence, but rather with virtue. We should never create a war, but dialogue with wisdom. And we should never have any type of, I don't know, backlash that makes us look unruly, but rather we should be those very people that Christ calls us to be people of integrity, people of discipline, people of courage, perseverance, and intellect. We have to make sure that people are intellectually engaged so that their actions can be informed properly and they do the right thing. So supporting me personally is not necessarily the issue, but maybe call your bishop, call the local Catholic church, just let them know that you, you care for them. Again, and since 2020, 95 incidents have been reported, and yet we get hardly a blurb about it on the news. But if someone, as you mentioned, mis misgenders them or uses an incorrect pronoun, there's going to be literally a march on the street with buildings being burned and, and the police officers literally getting attacked. Our world is upside down because our world doesn't know God. I agree with you entirely. And, you know, you said it so well. I will add that in my book, God and Cancel Culture, I make the point that self-cancellation is probably the worst of, of all because it keeps the bullies from having to cancel us one by one by one because we just, we're timid, we're quiet. Yeah. A lot of people go along to get along, and I'm just very concerned about that. But, you know, the Bible talks about separating the wheat from the chaff, and I believe that in these times— Real believers in Jesus are being separated from people that are believers in name only and people who are strong to be able to stand up, such as you. In fact, I just want to say how much I admire your stand. And I'm kind of curious if you could just tell us a little bit of your story. Uh, you're, you're speaking up in a way that the average uh, Catholic priest isn't. So what motivates you and what makes you kind of different and your, your, tell us a little bit about your ministry. The Plating Grace is kind of a food uh, ministry of some kind, isn't it? And, and very, yeah, very sure different yeah. from uh, speaking up on news programs like Newsmax about uh, church burning. So just tell us yeah. a little bit of your odyssey. Yeah, well, just to start off, the cancel culture can only grow if there is also a coward culture. And there is a cowardice that is growing in our American system of, of self-governance. We, we want to kind of push all the responsibility onto somebody else. And so we don't take full accountability. And, and I, I, I speak on these things because I am a unique priest altogether. I'm part of a secular institute called Voluntas Dei, which means the will of God. And it really is a community to help people to discern what God is calling them to do. I'm a priest who studied politics prior to entering seminary. Politics and journalism was what I was going into prior to receiving a call to the priesthood. But when I got to the 
seminary I studied in Rome, I felt a very strange call to kind of tap into something that I've always found fascinating, which is food. I have a culinary background, and I studied more of it when I lived in Italy for six years. And so by a turn of God's own design, I started a ministry. It's now called PlatingGrace.com, and it's really an outreach to bring families around the dinner table because that's where people learn the values and how to be not only a follower of Jesus, but also a loving member of families and societies. And so I'm, I work to create opportunities to feed the family, body, mind, and soul. And it grew into something else where now I have a TV show every week connecting food, faith, and culture. I've written several books about family dynamics and relationships and how a family meal can improve upon it. But then now I also am a director and owner of a food truck that works to help people coming out of the prison system. We give back to the community and give food to the poor. And, and basically with working with ex-cons, we give them a job formation and a sense of community. And the reason why I can speak about things that sound separate from food and faith and really just focus on politics is because we know politics is serving us stuff that's affecting our bodies and minds. We are being fed lies. And what I want to do above all is not just give good food. I want to feed people in body, mind, and spirit, help them to discern what are they putting in their system because we are what we eat. And we also know we've seen a lot of cowardice. We've seen a lot of fake news. We've seen a lot of bullying. And by digesting it, we become it. What we need to do is digest more of the stuff that God gives to us so that we can not only be good citizens on earth, but hopefully, through his grace, be citizens in heaven. Well said. And I'm sitting here thinking that I've interviewed on my podcast almost 900 people. In my career, I've had the privilege of interviewing four U.S. presidents and a whole lot of other people. You are one of the most interesting people I think I've ever talked to. And it's just <laughs> such a, you know, obviously you're... you're faith is genuine and and you know you implement it in so many different ways and i hope that people will check out your website i am curious if you know where there is a list of these 95 instances of arson of churches where i or others can research it i'm thinking to myself you know i'm going to write some bishops myself that's important i want them to know that there are people even non-catholics who stand with them and try to draw attention, you know, to this problem. These perpetrators need to be found and brought to justice, and the, these church burnings need to cease. And I believe that burning one church affects all churches. Everyone should yeah. take this personally. Really, we should take it personally, whether it's the church we attend or not. It's something that should not be allowed. And, you know, it's kind of a continuation of the defacing of the statues and the different governmental abilities. You know, it's just something in our culture that we can't allow to happen. And so I'm hoping that my podcast in some small way will help uh, focus attention on it. So as we wrap, wrap it up, I want to give you, well, first of all, if you know where, uh, where that list of 95 churches is, I'd appreciate it. But also I want to yeah. give you the last word. Ah, well, I appreciate that. Um, my, my last words is really just say to say thank you for for allowing us to have a conversation. And that conversation literally turns to a conversion where we turn 
to each other and focus on what matters most. And at this stage, at least in this topic, it's the ability to exercise a religion without any type of coercion or any type of backlash from the government. In fact, we need to get the government support more so that we can practice our faith as well as inform our consciences so that we can speak out against these travesties that are occurring. And it's almost as if it's, it's being excused or permitted and even sometimes celebrated. And as far as the list goes, uh, there isn't one exactly. They just only have incident reports. But if you go to the United States Catholic of Con- United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, USCCB.org, you'll at least find the statements that bishops have made regarding all of these um, hate crimes against the church. Well, thank you, Father Leo, for speaking up. Thank you for your TV show, the books you've written, helping men getting out of prisons, all the things that you do, and you're an inspiration to so many people, including me. So thank you for taking time to be on my podcast today, and I invite my listeners to share this podcast on social media. We need to get the word out, and I'll invite you to tune in again tomorrow for another edition of the Strang Report podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Strang Report with Steve Strang. To read more from Steve, visit his blog, The Strang Report, on charismamag.com. Again, that's The Strang Report on charismamag.com. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.